Welcome to Human Rights and the Digital, a podcast where we present voices and perspectives of human rights defenders in Uganda. We focus on how technology is being used to the realization of human rights. To learn more, please visit www.digitalhumanrightslab.org. This podcast is supported by the Digital Human Rights Lab. Please be sure to subscribe. Philip, how are you today? I'm feeling super great. Uh, chilly morning. Very excited. How are you charity? I am feeling really, really good as well. I'm excited about our topic today. Do you think you could tell our listeners what our topic is today? Right. Um, the LGBTQI people in Uganda, as much as all over the world, are still stigmatized and discriminated against. And I think this is because of their actual or perceived sexual orientation or college gender identity. The LGBTI people, that is um, the lesbian, the gay, the bisexual, the transgender, the intersex, and the queer, disproportionately run uh, the risk of becoming victims of violence. And two, uh, very often, they do not uh, receive the protection they are entitled to, and they are deprived of uh, the equal living opportunities. Uh, today, we have an amazing guest, um, and we ask what is being done to protect the LGBTQI rights in Uganda. We also discuss the Pride Month. Uh, we discuss the digitalization within the sex work organizations in Uganda. Thank you. And so joining us today to talk about all, all of that that Philip just mentioned is Mr. Elvis Habert Ayesiga, a partner of the Digital Human Rights Lab, as well as the pro- program director at Icebreakers Uganda. He's an activist, he's a YALI alumni, and lead community of practice on digital inclusion. You're very welcome, Elvis. Please tell us about yourself and the work that you do. Wow. Thank you so much. Um, I think I how about Elvis. I work with Icebreakers Uganda, an LGBT care and support organization in Uganda. And um, Ayali Rumini. Also, I'm a pioneer of uh, mental health within the LGBT community. I've been working with Icebreakers for over six to seven years. I started as a peer educator. From the peer educator, I went to another position as the M&E. Now I'm the programs, who's dealing with a lot of things when it comes to service delivery, as well as advocacy within the LGBT community. So kind of what I do, it's health and human rights for LGBT health. What do I mean by health? Most of the time when it comes to seeking services, health services for LGBT community members, they are stigmatized, they are discriminated because of their their sexuality. So you find it's very difficult for them to access health service as well as for them, their self-esteem is lowered because they think that when I go to a clinic center or a hospital, they are going to to discriminate me because of my sexuality or even when I just enter like this and I tell them my issue. I have an STI. Straight their mind will go, what kind of sex was this person doing? All that. So when it comes to rights, uh, we are dealing with uh, how can we make sure that LGBT community members access health services because it's their right, it's our right. So we're trying to make sure that we sensitize community members about the patient charter. Uh, the patient charter talks about everyone has a right to access health service. doesn't matter which sexuality you are. And also sensitizing the police officers about LGBT issues, uh, local leaders, 
as well as uh, sisterizing and training LGBT community members about their rights. From from our interactions with you, you also wrote an article on the Digital Human Rights Lab website on the effects of the COVID-19 on key populations. Uh, you went ahead and mentioned uh, lots of difficulties, uh, including access to health services, increase, um, increasing gender-based and intimate partner violence cases, and sadly, um, harassment in shelters. And I know you, you mentioned that you're doing a lot of work sensitizing police officers and local leaders because most of the harassment has been coming from these leaders. So um, if you could just paint a very clear picture for our listeners, how did that exactly look like on the ground, the effects of COVID-19 uh, on the key population? Uh, so when we come to the effects of COVID-19 to the LGBT community members, it hit us so much. And for us reaching out to them, it was very difficult. Because at the end of the day, people, you would find that they will not go anywhere. They're not going to run to their parents or come to the shelter. And also, in terms of STIs, they increased because people were having unprotected sex during the lockdown. So the increase of STIs came an issue also. And this also forced other community members to go back to their parents and that stigma or discrimination, that self-isolation within your family where when you are sitting, everyone gets to know that, yeah, this person is gay. That look they give to you, the words they give you, there's a way they torture you mentally. So you'd find members just closing themselves inside their houses, thinking, what next? What am I going to do next? Or that because I cannot call my friends to come over, I cannot reach out to anyone or come to the health center or our safe space because at our office we have a, a safe space where our community members usually just bump in. They talk, express themselves with others, but this safe space was under lockdown also because of COVID. So all that, it kept on uh, traumatizing the community as well as accessing services. It was very hard for people living with HIV because they had to get their art on time. And also community members lost jobs during the lockdown because these are people who are working downtown. Their business have been locked and all that. From your engagement or your discussion, you can already see how the COVID-19 lockdown and the, uh, affected or uh, deepened the already appalling situation. Because, I mean, even in under normal circumstances, uh, it's really tough for the LGBT community to access healthcare, you know, uh, interact with the lawmakers. You can only imagine what the COVID-19 uh, brought, uh, how, how it deepened that situation. Thank you so much. And um, uh, Elvis uh, detailed all these effects in a blog that I mentioned earlier on. And... Uh, uh, be sure to sort of read it uh, and we shall attach it in the about section of this episode. But moving on, um, Elvis, you've, meant, you've mentioned really a lot of things from stigma and I can imagine how that affected the mental health of all these people from uh, STIs and all these things, arresting of the community members. And I know that um, IBU does a lot of work around that. You are part of communities of practice within the Digital Human Rights Lab. You are part of SMAG, which is an umbrella organization. So I know there's really so many interventions. So uh, I, I, at this point, I just want you to tell us what are some of the interventions that sort of uh, rose up to remedy some of these challenges that you've mentioned during the lockdown. It could be uh, during or after the lockdown. So uh, 
during uh, during the lockdown we are able to ca- to come up with different initiatives on how to help the LGBT community members one of them was to hire uh, counselors and mental health providers to check in with community members mm-hmm. whereby they would call and check check in and also community members will be provided with numbers to call in in mm-hmm. case they have any emergence or they want to talk to a mental health provider and also we created a whatsapp groups whatsapp groups were so fun right, right. <laughs> so they they kind of helped the community members to stay on one line whereby they would chat on what is going on within their lives uh what's going on at home what's going everywhere so that within those whatsapp groups we also had mental health providers and counselors one at least each in whatsapp group so that they can give feedback as well as offer counseling in those groups for the the Look, when the lockdown came in like for the accessing health services uh we came up with door-to-door services whereby we have a bike where if you want your drugs we go to the the hospital we pick them for you we take them to your place so that it made sure that people living with hiv were adhering on medicine as well as for those on prep we would also do the same we deliver uh, door-to-door services as for stis and other diseases or infections and all that we hired our doctor to go door to door in case when you call in that i have an issue like this and this we send in our doctor so that he can work on you wherever you are maybe home or where and also we came up with sms whereby we would send out messages to community members to encourage them that you are not alone we are here with you if you need anything call us and also making sure our facebook uh, platform would have different individuals talking about covid-19 how it's affecting them and how are they moving on where we invited different personalities like the in the sex work community uh the digital world as well as peer educators to talk about their challenges and how they are dealing with all that and also to solve the issue of community members calling using their airtime we got a toll free line where they can call in and access the services talk to the counselors talk to the health providers and all that and also within a week we decided as IBU to work three times in a week but for a person to come at IBU you have to make an appointment and also you have to have a mask or that and also we made sure that we reach out to community members in terms of food uh reaching out to different donors giving us funding so that we can buy food for our community members who were really in need especially those who are living with HIV and also talking to them every day checking on them those who were isolated what we we are talking to them helping them out and dealing with everything so uh on 10th of october 2020 when we are celebrating world mental health day as ib we launched a new a new guide uh it's called not alone a, cri- a crisis response guide for the lgbt community members this guide is going to help community members as well as uh frontliners to how to deal with mental health 
uh, it shows you like what steps do you, should you take what when you are isolated how, where do you go what do you do what type of exercise can you do all that so it's going to be something which is going to be helpful and this was through our funder ohai they have been supportive in terms of uh the lockdown and after covid because they still support us to also support the lgbt community members Thank you. Thank you so much, Elvis. You are clearly doing a lot of um, work. You know, you're very right. There's been a lot of isolation. And now I can't imagine dealing with that isolation and then the stigma. You know, your family doesn't want to sit with you. Your friends don't want to hang out with you. The community is treating you different. You're out of a job, you know. So, you know, thank you for sharing light. Um, I really empathize with, with what's going on. So you're also doing a lot of advocacy advocacy work yourself alongside so many other individuals in as far as protecting the LGBTQI rights. One of the main challenges that has always been um, going on is population estimation for key populations in Uganda, which has seemed to be an impediment to the provision of support to these communities, specifically the LGBTQI and sex workers, etc. Um, would you say that this is an actual challenge? Yes, it's an actual challenge in a way that uh, if we had a population ex estimate within the key population during the lockdown, we get to know how many LGBT community members are there who needed our help. So you find that most of the time when we go to different followers or dialogues with different health and government officials, they keep on asking us, how many are you? Mm -hmm. And for us, we say, we are many. Right. <laughs> right. We say, we are many. But at the end of the day, they say, you are many. What are many? Mm -hmm. So we keep, uh, most of the time, that's what they keep on asking us. So uh, with the help of Digital Human Rights Lab, I came up with a project called Data Awareness and Digitalization within the LGBT and sex work community. So this project, it's all about estimating the population of LGBT and sex workers within Uganda, as well as giving them a visibility for themselves to be there. Because uh, most, when they ask us again after like three months from now, how many are you? I'll be able to stand and I say, we are 1,000 LGBT and 20,000 20, sex, worker, sex workers in Uganda. So uh, this is going to be something very helpful when it comes to the LGBT and sex work community because most of the time we don't own our data. Other people own our data. Those who yeah. come in with our, like, we, they were doing different projects, but at the end of the day, when they are going, they go with their data. Sure. But this, it's our own. It's our data. It's our life. data are LGBT. So, and sex workers. So, this will give us something to fight for. And this will give us something like to show that we are many. But at the end of the day, how can we be able to help others in different districts? Yes, Kampala, we know we are here. We, the services we get them, uh, the, the dialogues we get them. But what, what about those upcountry? Mm -hmm. What about those in Barara? What about those in 
Kasese, are they getting the same services? Because as Kampala, people are, understand, are understanding the LGBT day by day. Mm. But when it comes to up country, people are still discriminating them, saying that <clears throat> being gay is bad, being gay it's not good, and being a sex worker it's not good at all. So if this project had started last year, in this lockdown, we would have gotten to know how many sex workers are there to help because we feel that, even I still feel that, that we left out our members, that sex workers and LGBT because we got to know these we know around us. But what about those we don't know around around us? So this project is going to be helpful for us. Um, thank you. I, I love that you mentioned um, that you, you're constantly using other people's data. And now it's time to gather your own data. Um, I think any successful problem-solving initiative needs to be backed by data. You know, and we have uh, a policy <laughs> member here, uh, Philip, so he can agree. Like, data-backed decisions right. are definitely at the heart of any right, successful right. initiative. Um, so thank you. So with all of the work that you've just started out doing, I think you highlighted um, the wish, you know, you wish that you had started this even earlier. Yeah. So um, what do you think can be done right now with the data that you have? The visibility of the population with this data, it's going to be helpful in a way that we'll get to know the number of LGBT and sex workers within different districts. Since this project, it's looking at eight districts as the pilot. But we hope as we are done with the pilot, we can go out, spread our wings to other districts. And also it's going to be giving visibilities to upcountry organizations. Then stopping the community members within upcountries coming to Kampala to access the services. So it, it will also create... Uh, access to health services in different districts. So we get to know that number of Mbali, we have this number. So what can we do? What can we change in terms of that when we have this data backing us up? So we will go to the health providers and we start advocating and we say, yeah, we have people here, but we need to create that synergy on networking with you guys so that our community members can be able to access the services which are available here than them coming to Kampala to access these services in our, in our different clinics. And also... Uh, the platform which will which will come from the digital uh, the digital human rights lab, it will be used for policymakers as well as government, Ministry of Health. They will be able to go on this this platform to see. Yeah, they tell us that there are many. So right now, when they go on this platform and they see that data, that means they will be like, yeah, and this data, and this data or platform can be used by different researchers to carry out different research within the LGBT community, as well as to defend us when it comes to the government that, yeah, LGBT community members and sex workers, they are here, and this is the kind of number they are, and we need to give them services. Elvis? 
Thank you so much for sharing everything that you did. Allow me to commend you for all the phenomenal work that you've done, and I hope that you continue to do it. As the lead of the community of practice on digital inclusion under the Digital Human Rights Lab, I understand your goal is to digitize data for minorities and ensure that minority organizations um, can embrace the digital. What exactly are you doing to ensure realization of that goal? Because I'm the lead of the digital inclusion group, so I look at different LGBT and sex work organizations who are looking at digitalizing their data. So when it comes to data, it talks about female and male, but what about LGBT? What about sex workers? What about people living with disabilities? So data inclusion, uh, COP, it's here to embrace everyone. We want to include everyone in policy making. We want to include everyone in decision making. We are not leaving anyone behind. So that's all about the data inclusion. Very interesting um, to see that um, there's so much digitalization that is happening uh, within your community and uh, that you're championing it. And uh, since we are still talking about digitalization, um, I want uh, I want us to talk about of course, you've talked about uh, digitalizing data among minority organizations and making sure you have your own data. So um, I, I just want to take you into something that is slightly different. And um, because, of course, we're already talking about digitalization. Let's talk about um, digitalization and the future of work. I want to understand how you have been embracing. Of course, we've been, we talked about the COVID-19 lockdown and remote working. I want to understand how um, your community, and when I say community, I mean your COP on digital, uh, digital inclusion, um, your, your umbrella organization in the LGBT community and LGBT organizations. How is everyone embracing the shift online, among which, of course, is remote working? And also, if you can uh, help us understand how has your experience been with remote working? And is this something uh, you are considering in the long run as a community? Uh when it comes working remotely, uh, it has been challenging as well as very good. Challenging in a way that these different platforms we are using online, some of them you don't get to know them at that moment. They tell you, for example, like Zoom, mute, uh, close the video and all <laughs> that. Other people don't know about that. And when you are joining, there's a way when you are joining and you have to mute something before you listen to the voices from the other people. So when it comes to the LGBT and sex workers, these are people who, some of them who have not gone to school, don't have skills when it comes to digitalization, uh, when it comes to using, okay, for a phone, yeah, it's a smartphone. I can use it for call, WhatsApp, and all that. But for other, within it, like different apps like the Zoom, the Blue Jean, all that, they're, uh, they're kind of difficult, but we are slowly, slowly getting to know them because nowadays all our meetings are on Zoom or online. So they have been embracing the new world because at the end of the day, as I used to say back then, that data is the new change. It's like the digitalization also is the new change in the world. So if we are going to move from 
to the future, we need to embrace the new the new digitalization whereby our work is going to be we're going to be online most of the time discussing having a meeting and all that but usually when it comes to meetings which are long whereby you're not used on being online for like for five hours four hours you feel like uh but i also feel like uh in the future yes it will be very good but at the end of the day it's going to cut off the connection between humans mm-hmm. because right. in workshops when we are meeting we chat we talk other people even come with their issues but at the end of the day they feel they have left with something supportive and, and caring and all that right. but for when you go online someone you you don't tell the person what the person is feeling or not feeling but at the end of the day yeah that we, we cannot change it that's where we are heading to uh, it's just that we need more training when it comes to digitalization. We need more, 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 more training when it comes, especially to my sister's organizations, the sex workers. Mm. Usually they don't know anything about Zoom and anything, but if we can train them more and more, that's why in the uh, Dicto Inclusion uh, or the Dicto Human Rights Lab, that's something I request for them. Yeah, we need more trainings on this. Hands-on training, not because uh, there was someone who was telling me that uh, we're going to be training you on dicto, in dicto tools, but we're going to be training you online. For someone who has never done something online, that person cannot learn something like that. But if it's a hands-on and you say, yeah, we are in this place, open your phone, do this, do this, that will be very helpful. So for the sex worker community, there is need for more training when it comes to digitalization. For LGBT, yes, we also need it, but not more than our what? Sisters. Right. Thank you so much. And um, I'm glad you've mentioned that uh, when charities are listening in. So uh, just be sure that the point is home. <laughs> Those trains are going to come in handy. Um, but it's interesting to see that um, you're embracing digital tools. Uh, you're, you're on Zoom calls and you've uh, earlier on you had mentioned that um, you took your clinics, the clinics online by WhatsApp groups, toll-free lines. You know, you've all, you produce all this material for crisis management. I mean, even with the challenges that are in place, uh, it's interesting to see that you're going digital and uh, you're making very um, ef- ma- very many efforts to go digital. And um, you also mentioned something that uh, in the challenges, you mentioned that uh, it's really hard to replace the person in person en- engagement. You, I, I really um, uh, agree with you. So, uh, in person engagement, I, I don't know if digital tools can really, but I, I mean, that's on our part. Uh, it's also on working on the attitudes and all these things. Mm-hmm. But I think you've really been doing amazing work with, um, I understand your project that you talked about, the digital awareness. You kicked it off online and it was amazing. So for me, right. But uh, uh, right on that point on um, digital remote working and mental health, that is where I want to pose my next question to you. Because um, even right before uh, you've been doing this work for a long time, like Charity mentioned, you've done amazing work in advocacy for the LGBT rights. And uh, you also mentioned that you're a pioneer in um, mental health for the LGBT community. And I know that you pioneered the first research on mental health issues within the LGBT community in Uganda. And um, in that publication, which again, we shall uh, share with the listeners, um, in that publication, you describe mental health as a silent couch within the LGBT community in Uganda. 
as we sum up, uh, could you share some mental health tips for anyone out there? Not only for the LGBT community, and mental health is mental health, mm-hmm. and uh, everyone is sort of suffering. So, could you share some tips? Okay. Uh, so, when it comes to mental health, does, it does not only affect the LGBT or sex workers, it affects us, all of us. So, uh, since last year, I've I felt like people are talking about mental health compared in the past, even in the general area where people didn't know. Because most of the people, when you say that mental health, they will think that this person is mad, this person is not right in their right sense and all that. But one thing I have realized, for you to have a good mental health is to love yourself, first of all, before you break down. And also uh, exercise daily because most of people think that when uh, when someone goes to the gym or when I should go to the gym, it should be when I'm going to lose weight or something like that, but which is not true. And also take walks, read inspiration books because something that's something very helpful. And also watch movies, series, comedies, and all that, like The Golden Girls. Because for me, when I watch The Golden Girls, I just laugh completely. It, such things, they make you your mental health at least become good. And also, another, another tip is reaching out to your friends. Because just saying hello and hi to your friend, it will help. And also, even when someone reach, reaches out to you, you feel like you are happy. You feel like, yeah, I'm loved. So we just need to show love for, to each other. It doesn't mean that because I'm gay, I don't have to show love to a heterosexual person. No. Even I can check on them. I say, hello, how are you? How are you doing? Only that checking and saying, hello, how are you? That shows that you care so much. Because if one of our clients, if the partner had replied the messages, he would have not committed suicide. So even when someone reaches out to you, doesn't matter what, call back if you missed a call. Uh, send back a message because at the end of the day we just only want to hear your words or your kahalo that makes us feel good and for more tips you can get them from the guide not alone because they don't only work for the LGBT they can also work for the other community thank you thank you Elvis I am also a huge advocate for um, nurturing your mind and taking care of your mind in just the same way that you would worry about your liver, your heart, you know, like we obsess over all of these other things and we forget about the most important organ, which is actually the brain. Um, I think once I read somewhere that if you get heart failure, they can get you a new heart. Yeah. If you need a liver transplant, you can get a new liver. Yeah. These, all these other body parts can very easily be replaced, but never have you heard of a brain transplant. And yet for an organ that is so important, we ignore it so, so much. Um, so I, you know, I completely agree. Um, I find that in order for you to remind, to remember that you have a brain, that you have a mind, that you have, you know, a soul that needs nurturing, you need to be able to tap out from all the noise, you know, tap out from all your responsibilities, um, the worries you have about the future, the past, the present, you know, like it's a very, very crazy world. 
in this digital age, um, we're connected to so much and we have access to so much information. It can get overwhelming for the machine upstairs, you know, for the brain, for the mind. So definitely I agree. It's important to tap out. There's also one thing you mentioned, um, um, that is very critical. A lot of healthcare practitioners in the mental health, um, sector like to remind people, do not wait for a crisis to get help. Do not wait for, you know, I've been in bed for three months straight and I want to die <laughs> before you seek help. No, go out and, you know, talk to a professional, check in, see how you are. You know, there's so many disabilities that we have. You know, our brains are so different. There's people that are, you know, on the spectrum. They might be autistic. They might have ADHD. They might have underlying issues that are affecting their ability to function normally. So definitely, um, reach out and talk to a healthcare professional. If you feel like there's something that's stopping you from functioning in, you know, in a normal way in, you know, in the best way possible. So, um, thank you Elvis. Again, I'm just a big, big fan of everything that you're doing. And I agree. Um, a lot of the work that you've done can help people who might not even be members of the LGBTQIQ community. So, um, how can listeners out there get in touch with IBU, that's Icebreakers Uganda, and um, in case people just want to learn more about the COP, that's Community of Practice, on digital inclusion, or even join if people want to support some of the initiatives, you know, if there are any therapists that are listening that are like, hey, I want to, you know, give, um, you know, therapy or counseling services to, you know, to different people, um, how can they reach out to you? Please visit the digital human rights uh, website, which is www.digitalhumanrightslab.org. Thank you so much. Interesting conversation. Um, and um, this really brings us, uh, there's, there's been so much on mental health. And for me, just one takeaway is um, take time off your body or your mind or you're the machine. I mean, if it's money, if it's career, if it's education, just take time off once in a while. Because I mean, even if your mind is not going to function, then the career will as well maybe perish or education won't. So whatever you're going through, just take time off and remember to breathe and give give yourself some time. Like uh, Elvis mentioned, uh, watch a movie, do whatever makes you happy. Catch a beer, catch a drink. Just be happy. Uh, thank you so much. Um, that is all from us today. This brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for joining us, Elvis and Michael Host Charity. You've, you've been an amazing uh, team and to our listeners thank you so much for joining us today um, stay tuned and look out for our next episodes as we present to your voices and perspectives of human rights defenders in uganda thank you philip uh thank you elvis and for all our listeners out there do not forget to subscribe to our podcast if you have feedback or you need to learn more about the digital human rights lab please visit www.digitalhumanrightslab.org that's www.digitalhumanrightslab.org you can also follow us on twitter at dhr lab on facebook as digital human rights lab and until next time from all of us to you. Bye. Bye.